Uh, this is uh, John of Health. Oh, and you're listening to the Paradise Arcade. The Paradise Arcade may contain explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Paradise Arcade with Eric and Kyle. Welcome to another episode of the Paradise Arcade. This week we have a very special guest, different, but I'd like to welcome Johnny from Health. How you doing, man? Hi, I'm doing great. Um, I'm happy to be here in the arcade. <laughs> Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for being on the show. Um, I don't really know that at a point you need any introduction. I think people know who you are, so you don't have to. Maybe. Go, maybe. Maybe I, I would give them a primer, but you don't need to. I mean, it's whatever they can read the description. Uh, do do you? I mean, are you famous at this point? Because I feel like, at least from my perspective, like health is an extremely well known brand band. Uh, I would never, never even ever say famous. I mean, to be famous, you have, like to be famous, like how famous you got to be to be famous is fucking. Especially now, fame is really cheap now. Like. The people are so huge now, and you don't know who they are. It's fucking bizarre. Like, it's just like, because, you know, we have it curated feeds. Like, you go on Spotify, you can find some random asshole who's just like, billions of plays. You've never heard the song. You've never heard the name. You have no idea what anyone looks like. They're just like, it, there's just huge things happening that are just massive, and you don't even know what the fuck they are. So fame is, fame is really different now. So for you to know someone, like a household name, or just someone that could actually be like famous, they're going to be astronomically famous. But yes, could you go to like some underground, some underground music show? Uh, yeah, maybe some guy there knows my band. Maybe <laughs> it's just a little different, you know. Fame, like... Famous, especially now. Fame, fame is really not what it, what it used to be. But like to be famous now, just, you gotta be really fucking famous. But like, it, you're cutting yourself a little short. I mean, you know, having worked with the people that you worked with, there's a level of a recognition or whatever. To it, then, the, then it, the, uh, how about this? If you went to the appropriate venue, then <laughs> yes, and that's how it's always been, you know. Like, uh, even like way back when the band was a lot smaller, we were like kind of a hyped, you know, cool come on the internet. It's like, hey, in my if I go to Echo Park, Brooklyn, you know, these like five places, or or I go to a show, shit, pretty famous guy, everyone's trying, you know, but like if you leave that zone, you no, you're just a regular dude, like, come on, let's be real here. It, it's really interesting to me that you know that that's the the amount of fame that I'd be okay with. I can go to this spot and be popular, but I could go somewhere else and nobody will know me. Ooh, that's yeah. Nice. But it's also not like it's like you know even with fame or just you know because I, I have friends who are like very well known or like even they like like I know guys who sell at the Hollywood Bowl like they don't get recognized anywhere except in like the you know correct avenue and there's like. You know, their fans now when their fans meet them they're like literally pissing their pants so like overcome with you know whatever or like you know we, we, this is always this thing i ask myself too it's like all right you know who's sold the most t-shirts it's like i don't know probably taylor swift it's like i've never seen a fucking taylor swift shirt on anyone you know it's good but like i see like fucking tour shirts of like some guy who played the fauna like constantly you know what i mean i guess just where i hang out but like i just i don't see these uh, massive stars i don't like see their their tour shirts often Obviously, Kanye West, I saw those shirts fucking ever, ever about those. But it must, obviously must be who I'm hanging out with. Good point. Stuff, stuff like that. Or just, you know, there's, there's always some shit going on. Like, this is the, this is the biggest ball ball. Like, and the numbers are just astronomical. And you're like, 
How come I didn't even fucking hear about this? I feel it's like, because our, yeah. my YouTube feed is like, what was it like to be a medieval peasant? You know? <laughs> <laughs> nice callback. I like that. It's, yeah, yeah, well, there's just, there's just no TV. You know, I'm not just like, I used to watch this regular ass TV, you know, even the shit I hated. I'm like, oh, what's, what's this celebrity doing? I was like really into it. I'd watch the Oscars when I was a kid. I'm like, oh, wow. Now I don't even know who the fuck the guy is in the movie. That's great. That's a good place to be. Nah, I, I do miss it. I, I do miss there being uh, movie stars. I mean, they're still, they're still famous actors. It's just, you know, the fame has really been, uh, really been, it just ain't what it used to be. No. Also, it's like, you know, uh, I, I'm a friend with my, uh, I got a lot of friends who work in video games, and like, I hung out with these big video game streamers. I don't know who they were. These kids, these numbers are destroy anything. They're, they're like, these kids are like, they're fucking rock stars to me. Like, they're 23 years old, they're fucking multi, multi millionaires. Their numbers are just astronomical. You don't know who the fuck they are. They're just some fucking kid. And people, you know, most people wouldn't know who they are, but they're fucking mega famous. It just, it just doesn't, it's not the, it's not the same. I feel kind of weird. I feel cheated at this point because (laughs) when I was that age, which was a very long time ago, that's all I was doing. And I didn't get famous or rich from doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, also the talk about cheapening everything is like, you know, anything you do or any kind of like, it's like, Hey, this, um, random people are just like impossibly rich off like very regular things you know it's just it's kind of weird like this whole this is a whole new world of an economy of like people like just donating money which is great oh by the way i'm, I'm not going to knock this thank thank god for everyone who, who's who's doing this is very cool <laughs> but like that like people can get donations from fans directly because you know so much money the whole industry all these industries there's so many middlemen they chop it up so you could never get a dime so like the most the coolest way you could actually just support someone we have a patreon by the way <laughs> um is that you just hand them five bucks a month and that really changes everything and it really has for us so it's like you know this uh this this beautiful girl it's like she'll stream 10 hours a day in a bikini and chat with your underage boy ass and she's the she's making millions millions of dollars a year it's like it's fucking funny there's nothing wrong with it it's just it's just just weird it's like and then yeah a guy who plays video games now these guys who play video games you most of them are usually super exceptional but some of them are not they're like a digital friend and people just donate money to them when they play video games it's like fucking weird you know, it's a uh, shit, just shit you wouldn't have seen coming. I'd, I'd said that. Absolutely yeah. not. No, yeah, I, I would have never. I mean, growing up at a time when, like, if you played video games, you were considered the weird kid. Like, you were you yeah. were an outcast. Like, you didn't oh, tell people. Yeah, that or that if, like, yeah. Yeah, video games are okay, but if you played role-playing games. Oh, yeah. Then you oh, were. Oh, yeah, like, really I was, I was a, you know, I, I still am. I play Dungeons & Dragons, and I wouldn't fucking mention that. Now it's fucking funny. I'll be at a party, and you mention it, and, like, girls and people come up young people and they'll just be like oh can we get in your game i'm just dying to play and i'm like you guys want stranger things or something why the fuck do people want to play D D all of a sudden you know <laughs> it, it's kind of funny which is great though that's not a bad thing that's a great thing uh i think it's just hilarious that all these super nerdy ass shit got like kind of mainstreamed or just people just got bored just just stuff changed i always said this too with like the computers and so, like social media really ruined it for me like how can you be a rock star? Like you cannot like picture Jim Morrison on Twitter. It's just like so lame. Yeah, there's it's, you know, <laughs> and like it always blew my mind that they got rappers to use Twitter, and I was like, go, like, go, like that. Uh, but like, like you know, people like there was uh, stuff like uh, we were reading about like people are killing each other over Twitter beef in Chicago, where like it gets real and it's gnarly. But it's like it's just social media and the computer. It's, it's inherently nerdy. You know, you were a nerd for using computer, and like everyone's a nerd, and so like just society got a lot nerdier, a lot dorkier. <laughs> It's once the convenience of it really settled for folks and like just the ease of access to communicate like, oh, it's not it's not a nerdy thing. Because I remember, you know, when like MSN Messenger was the thing and you were a fucking nerd for getting on and going into a chat room. 
And now that's not even, that would be everyone's on Twitter. Everyone's on other, like, I think also changing everyone, getting access to everything, being like sort of wikiable looking up, it kind of turned everyone into a know-it-all kind of nerd. Cause you could like find out the gist of something in about like 10 minutes. Right. And just, you, you could like, you know, competently to talk your way through some bullshit or know about like some obscure whatever. And like, that kind of turned everyone into a fucking nerd. Because he usually be like the guy in the store, like, I actually am some, you know, and he's, he's like the expert. And like, everyone's an expert. Also, it also made everyone an asshole because it made everyone kind of like a celebrity where like you would be like creating, crafting a public persona. The normal person did not do that before, you know? Right. Uh, and, and now we are, we're like 10 years on with this. So it's like, just like, it, and it kind of made everyone kind of like, and that's what also cheapened fame. The if you if you're like a regular person with a good group of friends, you're going through the same motions an actual celebrity does. You're less busy, obviously, and you don't get to do all the cool stuff. But like, if you're if you're like a media social media influencer, though, your main gig like it's through the phone. You know, you're doing you got to go to cool events and stuff, but you're still crafting your public phone and your images. Like the, the regular person, the celebrity have it. Their lives have never been more similar, I guess. Or you're doing all the stuff that only a celebrity would do back then, or only a public figure would do back then. Absolutely, you do as a regular person now, and that kind of changes your. It totally changes how you see fame. I don't think people like fawn over famous people in nearly the same way. You know, they're way less magical because you know how it works. Right, and, and I think for for the new kids, they know that, and what they would like to be is a streamer, or an influencer, or a public persona that it only goes to to the computer in the way that they know. They don't have like an older reference of like, oh my god, that's that guy's a movie star, you know. Yeah, what does that even mean more. anymore? What is it that? Doesn't. It's just like they're like, oh, it's content. I like your content. It's like, ah, it's My, kind of funny to me. Like that, the, the the idea that like that is the same as, but I guess it is. You know, that's whatever a podcast. It just it just stuff you put out, you know, or a picture of you on 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 Instagram or whatever. Yeah, you actually bring up a really interesting thing as a, as opposed to like. I'm going to sit down, I'm going to write something, I'm going to craft something, I'm going to direct something, I'm going to whatever it is, and then I'm going to spend time on it and put it out there as a creative effort. Now it's your persona, your personality, your whatever, your accessibility or relatability as a person is the thing that's valuable as opposed to maybe necessarily something that is more insightful or or artistic maybe is well, yeah i think it also speaks to how people are living i think the reason why not just streaming or influence or, or any of this stuff i'm not knocking any of it or why people want these really personable like sort of public figures i think it's because uh, the kids are really fucking lonely and uh, they don't have friends and they have really or they have really low friend counts and like talking to people i that just totally gets confirmed for me all the time so it's like it's like you know, it's like, why the fuck would you watch someone play video games on stream? That's boring as hell. It's like, well, you would go to your homie's place and, like, sit around and you guys would play on the, play whatever and talk. And, like, that would be fun because you're hanging out. And it's like, that's kind of what you're doing there or something. I don't know. That, that, that's, my, that's, that's my thesis. Also, you know, with the, the computer and social media, where all this crap. And everyone just knows too much. Everyone's sort of seen behind the curtain. So they... You know, they don't believe in the divinity of the emperor or whatever. Like, you know, you just don't, you don't believe that God actually lives in the church. Just, you just know too much. The illusion's kind of ruined. Which yeah. I think, it, so. what I actually think is a good thing. I think destroying the, the glamour and the, the illusion that is Hollywood is not a, a bad thing. Because that's a very well-crafted thing that hid a lot of really insidious, ugly yeah. things. Yeah. I, I get. I guess feel both ways because you want stuff to be a big deal. It's exciting, you know. It's like wrestling is so cool when you don't know it's fake. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> and you're just like, what? It's fucking great, you know. It's like you know, being a kid and 
and like there's all people say like hey why do we have nudity it's stupid i was like nudity laws we should you should be able to be naked i'm like yes we should but it is also so fucking crazy that you're not allowed to see it, and then like someone just shows you their boobs, you're like, "Oh my god!" You're like it's fucking so cool. Like, you know, <laughs> familiarity breeds contempt. Like it's like you know, obviously, if you, if you can find the happy medium, like it's great to have magic in the world. It's great to have you know this this thing like this. You can believe this guy is a god or whatever. You know, and all these th- things are really eroded that. And yeah, people do like a a more personal celebrity. Which, uh, if you want to call me, you can at any time. My number is 213-259-3841. I'll be your personal buddy. That's, it, that's incredible. I mean, I don't like to be called by people I know on the phone. So. <laughs> right, right, same. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, yeah, I don't either. I just like, it's just funny. And uh, most people just hang up. They panic and they hang up, but it's funny. Oh, that that is... I What I liked was the texting, and I would text people back all the time, but what I hate was I'm using a Google voice number, and then Google uh, took out the feature, and it has to go through my Gmail, so, like, I'm not checking my email every two seconds. Like, I don't get an alert. So, like, I respond to people so late, and I have to type it. Whereas I really miss being able to... I was just on my phone, and I could just some some random asshole would text. I would never... You know, as a rule, I don't save anyone's number, and they'll be like, you know, I don't know ask me some stupid-ass question, and then you talk for a while, and that's it. I mean, that's cool. I mean, that that kind of it's interesting. And I, fi- I find this about you specifically um, and your interaction with people is, is very different. Like, it seems like you understand kind of the currency of what it is to be a, a working creative person and really are able to do that. Whereas, like, you know, there's there is typically this curtain behind the the creator the artist and the fan right you would you go see them that's that would be your interaction with that creative person where you are very much in the the modern world of of doing these things where people have access to you and i think that's a really interesting um thing that sets you apart from other folks that i know where they they try to maintain that level of obscurity or privacy or what i'm not saying that you're not private but you know like that level of anonymity i mean i think that's better it's way cooler to do that it just seems it's so at odds with the internet i remember just in the 2000s there was this transitionary time where like everything that like i think was happening with a lot of like serious musicians and serious artists was just like colliding with the internet which is like everything is fucking funny and stupid and like and it just did not work and like the shit that was really popping that was really adapted to the, to the internet was like shit that was just embracing it you know and uh and and not caring and and, and felt very fresh so there, there is that but i will here's the caveat i can do all these things because i have this very important uh select self-selection tool is that it's only a health fan that is going to do this and uh health fans are you know they kind of they're a, a coalition of different types of fandoms and people, but they have a, a somewhat similar psychological profile. Where the fuck you want to do it? Like they, they are similar enough where like this could work. This could not work for every artist, you know? That you makes get, that, that makes total yeah. sense. Yeah. You're too big, or if your fans are really, you make really in fucking just angry fucking music and there's just like fucking dangerous people who are gonna kill you. You know, like Dimebag Daryl or something. Like like that could happen. <laughs> that, I'm not I'm I'm not afraid. No, I do get some fucking serious nutters on there, but um, I don't, I'm not really, you know, the the I'm not I'm not afraid because it's like it's 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 a self it's a selection tool. I'm not just like advertising it on a billboard or something, you know. And you got to go look at look for it. It's like it's on the back of a t-shirt. It means you bought a t-shirt. You already went to the show, you know. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> or and then on Discord, it's like, yeah, I'm there. I have a computer too. 
What I, are you doing? That's a really. I'm gonna go watch. I'm gonna go watch the Edge Runners now. You know, it's like yeah. I gotta go take a shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I'm doing most of my posting. Now yeah. that I have to go take a shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I suppose that's a really is a very you have a very uh, specific slice into the type of kind of person, that it, and it's like someone that likes a particular kind of music it, or a movie. Like I really love Blade Runner, and you have an instant sort of like equilibrium or wavelength with somebody that likes something very similar. And I suppose that's with someone that likes health, there's a particular wavelength. And obviously you're the creator of, or one of the creators. Yeah. I just like, so. if you, if you like, it's like, Oh, Hey, I like health. I was like, Oh man, I already know so many things about you. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking dork. No, I'm just joking. But like, yeah, yeah. Like it's like, do you, you probably like this movie. You probably like this. Oh, you were probably into this. That's more, more I've learned more and more just doing music or, or trying to like, you know, market your band or get people to into your creative thing, which is like now more and more, you know, think of because like we didn't really have a genre for it was always hard to reach people. It's like there's just there's just types of people who make certain types of fans who like certain stuff. You know, there's just whatever the fuck. There's like specific de demographics. I guess that's different. If you, Obviously, if you were this massive artist, you have this, such a wide appeal, you just hit everybody or majority of people. But if you make underground or, or very specific music or art or whatever it just attracts a certain kind of person you know mm -hmm. yeah i i definitely understand that and I, I guess i in my i took that for granted in my and here we are and here we are i'm really <laughs> curious you're oh yeah you guys I'm, don't talk about music at all <laughs> i mean we don't have to but i'm but i'm more curious about how what's the 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 hook for you it, it sounds like you grew up a nerd into nerd stuff and then how, what was the, I mean, did you, did you play, were you in band as a, as a kid? Like, what was the transition of, of the nerddom being in nerdy stuff into music? I know they, they often go hand in hand, but I'm, I'm yeah, really well, I'm just, you know, you're just into stuff that's cool. You know, I was, I also got super in, I didn't care what music tells about like uh, 13 or so, 12 or 13. And a friend of mine who's a few years older, he sent me a cassette tape in the mail and it was, a, and he did one side, he put the Dead Kennedys and one side he put Sonic Youth. And uh, I didn't get the Sonic Youth set at first, but I, the Dead Kennedys just spoke to me. And I was like, I never never felt emotion like that for music. And I was like, it was like life-changing. And I got super obsessed with music. So at the same time, you know, getting into all this other stuff, you're just really, really into music. My friends and I are super into music. Uh, even though we were fucking nerds, we saw ourselves as very cool because um, <laughs> of the music. Cause, because of the music we like. Right, of course. Um, and we didn't, we didn't mention our table. We didn't mention that we had Warhammer 40K armies or D&D &D or any of that stuff. That was secret. That's just what we what we did. What we talked about, you know, is music openly. Not that anyone thought we were cool, by the way, <laughs> if we really weren't. Uh, but because music is, you know, legit cool. Um, so my, you know, my plan was always actually I was going to do, I wanted to like, you know, be a filmmaker or make some, or write or, you know, do some sort of narrative nerd shit with my own nerd franchise. Um, and I moved to LA. I went to this really shitty fly by night film school. But the scene in LA was really uh, fertile at the time and it was really cool. And there's all this music I was really excited for. And I wanted to be a part of it in some way. I was going to all these shows, and I, you know, Jim Jarmusch had like this post-punk band for like two years before he made his movie, or three years. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, so I was like, oh, I'll do that. I'll just, I'm gonna make some fucking weird noise band, and then I'll do it just for a few years, put out at least one record or at least a, an EP or something, and then I'll go back to what I was doing. And I was working in television too at the time, which was fucking murdering me. It just, I was like 20. I didn't go to college, so like I was out of the film school by the time I was 20. Actually, by the time I was 19 or something. So I was working on television shows as a PA, and they moved me up to coordinator. 
and they're super underpaying me because I was a stupid kid and I didn't know how much right. I was supposed to get paid. So pretty high stress job. Yeah. And like, and I'm trying to order on these like, you know, lifers who are just like, fuck you, kid. Like, <laughs> fuck you. So I was just like, um, and just, you know, like you work 12, 14 hour days every day. And I was working for this, uh, TV company that made ultra cheap, uh, shows for HGTV. And we'd start with one episode then you go to two then you go to three and you'd crank out four episodes a day every day. God damn. And you were not allowed to have any overtime. They didn't want to fucking waste a cent. So I was just there to police the overtime and drive all this shit around. And it was, it was really working my ass off, super high stress. You just get home and you pass it and you wake up immediately and have to drive super far. Like you just didn't sleep. And I was just like, dude, my 20s are going to fucking fly by and I'm going to be the most bitter motherfucker in the world. <laughs> like there's no right. guarantee this is going to lead to anything. I need to do this for a job now and it's related to the industry, but this is not getting me into any sort of creative position. Like I could move up in this company and work with these production TV things. I will need to somehow figure out some other way to do this. And in the so, but there's these downtime between jobs. So then I was like, uh, I had to work. There was I met. There was a short time before I got got these TV jobs where I worked at Guitar Center, where I met Jake, and him and Juke wanted to make a band, but they didn't know what, what exactly they're doing. So I started meeting with them, and I was like, Hey guys, I really want to join this local scene of shit that's going on. I like this, this, and this music. And then we started, you know, coming up with this this band. And as we started doing, they're having a lot of fun. Really awesome to be in the scene. Really cool to be around you know, music and cool and, was, and this, all this shit I'm super into. Super exciting. And uh, and then as, you know, we immediately started going on tour because Jake had this friend from Seattle who had like this like kind of post-hardcore band and we got to put a seven inch like within a few months of forming and, you know, all these cool things happened and that Crystal Castles remix happened on MySpace before any of this stuff happened and we were setting these, these tours on MySpace and so by the time we actually put out a record on this cool noise label that we were fans of, we had already had this like internet hype and so we started like, you know, basically just got all these opportunities to do all these like festivals and tour Europe and it was, it was kind of just on, on the go. So in my head, I'm like, having any level of artistic success is extremely rare and you have to be very lucky. So I'm like, I got really lucky right now. Let's, let's see how far this goes. So I wasn't supposed to do this that long. It's just like, you get an you know, becomes your job or you sort of get invested in it. Or we had this whole downtime when we couldn't get shit done. I'm like, okay, I need to see this through till at least the other record. I have to fully give the band its, its fair thing. And so it just, and then just this time just kept extending, extending. So I'm like, now I'm like, holy shit, I'm still doing this band. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's, <laughs> That's basically you're what happened. Now. Yeah. You're, Sorry. You're, this is your thing. You're, you're doing the thing. And I, I, that it's interesting that story. Cause it's very similar to a lot of other folks that I've talked to that, have had that you know the uh, similar levels of success or opportunity is just like this weird dumb luck Not, you know obviously there's a lot of hard work that goes into it you have to hustle but these things line up and you if you walk through that door it, it leads to this next thing and it, it's wild to to be in the seat i would imagine of it unfolding well, yeah, or just, you know, and then weird things happen, you know, because, like, there's a, there's this part in the middle where, like, there's this huge gap and we don't put a record and, like, the band was going to fall apart and it was kind of falling apart and then out of nowhere, you know, Max Payne 3 came. Just really, you'd never see that fucking coming. And it's like, well, we have to do this. And that, that kind of, like, you know, grief got screwed. There's just weird things, like, will happen. Or, you know, when we were really broke, uh, just we'd get these little things that, you, you know, we'd like, oh, hey, uh, Lexus Fashion Week wants you to score this live dance performance. You're like what? And like <laughs> that will get that that paid a lot of that paid that paid really high money. So like that, but now you can you can keep going for. So it's these kind of funny things where it's like, 
we never it never got so bad where like you have to give it up and it was like just enough to keep it going and then we're all just like ah you think you just want to get a little farther and then you know the, the whole thing has kept changing and then and then and the times change so like where, where you're really in it and you know the band has changed a bunch too and the, the modern era of the band or the, like even the past you know years since death magic feel like a completely different experience completely different band you know it, it feels like a lifetime ago when i think back to the early days of the band, it's like, I just, in my head, it's like 1973 or some bullshit. It's just a fucking <laughs> you know, like old timey. And in some ways it is. I was like, I was flipping through some like, uh, that Indie Sleeves IG account. And like, uh, they had a photo of me when we first played London. And I think I'm like 21, 22. And I'm like, fuck man, that was like old times. Yeah. <laughs> it shit. You're a different person. Uh, well, extremely. Yeah. Well, not in some ways. Yes. In some ways no, but yeah, definitely, definitely different. Uh, but it's just it, what it, it, it becomes and also when it when you if you can make any money at all small or big it, it changes your relationship to it too you know you start you start thinking about things really differently and how you relate to it differently so I guess uh, I would still love to I don't uh, I would still have to put out some sort of nerd uh, opus of my own I guess one day that'll be my deathbed thing I'll have to like, have some crisis and then rush to get it done awesome manuscript or something there you go there's time <laughs> or uh or or with these these tools getting so good i can like use ai to do half the work and just shit this thing out and no one will care anymore because it'll be like fucking ten thousand, uh whatever like remix properties of like 80 different things be pretty funny i i think there's potential there because my i was having a joke with a friend of mine who, who sent me this like ai art is for like a concert photo and it looked like dicks on a dance floor and we were having a chuckle because it was clearly AI art, but AI is a tool. And if the person behind you or using the tool isn't articular or well-versed, it's not going to turn out well. And so it, it well, just like what I'm kind of so far, obviously it's going to change. It's going to get more and more sophisticated, but right now the AI generated art is actually, it's not, it's actually just a collage of everything that's on the internet. Yeah. You can see the other images in it. So in terms of rights, that I think that might become an issue because like you can type in Frank Frazetta, blah, 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 and it comes up and I'm like, I'm actually seeing the Frank Frazetta image that I know in this image. Like it's 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 a mix of this Im- of a like million It's taken all these images, mixed them together. And and it's it incredible that it's able to do like it, but it's like, and, and it all has this weird, you know, syrupy kind of feathery look, but it's like that, I know what that image is. Like it's, 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 t- it's stolen basically sort of on, on a certain level. Um, Interesting. Nick, so it, it is really brilliant. Now it's brilliant that what I like it's like, oh, you can do a texture. Like my friends who are really into it, like it's kind of fucked up. So what they'll just do is they'll actually draw their own thing and then use generations to sort of add this cool texture to it. But it's kind of like with you know music, all this shit that was just insanely hard in the '60s and took millions of dollars and the greatest engineers and that's so so magical about it. In the '70s, is like became obsolete or these these plugins could could basically ape it just as good or almost as good or close enough or or you can just program or the synthetic version you know like you know the electronic drums are just a million times more powerful than the original or whatever um the thing isn't conscious so like what what is exciting is like just removing so much of the busy work you know uh there's like all kinds of small work you have to do but what does seem is like in without ai or without and i remember being at a party and there's these guys who work for facebook do it and they're all like you know drunk talking about like, <laughs> oh, why are we going to have writers anymore? We can, the algorithm can write it all. We have all the data. It's the perfect and that's the future. It's like, I don't know if that's happening right now, that fucking dead end in your theory shit, but like everything seems very generic. So maybe. Yeah. I, I, uh, 
Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, it's not conscious. So like these tools, I can see this awesome thing where it's like, especially video games, it can do all the textures for you. You can do all this like generic, like like generating backgrounds. It could save you hours and hours and hours of time and extra extra work and could be amazing. It could be a thing we can make work faster, you know? But, you know, we'll see. It, it, it's interesting. Yeah, I'm very curious about what the, the end point of it is. And that's sort of like that intersection of... I mean, the idea is the end point is that it would just generate art for you from the service and you just use the service. I mean, like, that's why the, they want you to have mood playlists and they have the data. So they, they, the eventual idea is to just to completely replace the artist. But, like, you don't really need it. Like, for a lot of the stuff that, like, I think we're afraid of, you don't even need AI for, right. you know? Like, you could have AI generate you a melody or whatever, but you could also just go on Splice and get a human-made one that's really fucking good and sounds perfect and costs you, what, like $10 a month and you can just put it out, you know? Mm -hmm. And you can uh, you can build a um, a song starter off one of those packs and they, they're, they're fucking incredible. And like, I don't know how much better that's going to get if the AI makes it right then from just, you know, mixing up all the other music or something like that. It already exists, you know? You can make an AI-generated image or you just go on the internet and just steal the perfect image. <laughs> and you just like Here put something out. So, so like that's kind of the the, the funny thing uh, to me, you know? Like there or like I remember being like I was at a like a really ripping EDM festival and like the lights and everything are so crazy. I'm like, this could just be a fucking playlist and you could have a light show and you could have a company that just creates this and you could like not pay that guy to be there if you wanted to. But like it, it's it what what's the difference? It's like it's still there's a guy that you pay him. He he works it out. So I don't, you know, how much money you save. Will people be a big fan of the AI created fake digital rapper? Maybe that one digital icon girl is really huge, but she's like a, a rare story. There's Hatsune Miko. I mean, maybe I think that that's what people like to do. But the weird thing is, that whatever it is, you know, so much of music, even if the music's good, what people like is the person or the star. And it's already kind of going that way where like you're a internet personality first or an influencer first, and then your music is kind of your add-on. So it'll make that easier. But you you can also just like, you know, if you are a, a good looking, attractive person in LA who wants to do music and you have a decent amount of talent, people are interested in you, you just take sessions all day with very talented people who will basically write songs with you to your specifications, everything you like for free, and then they have a cut of your song. And they have a lot of experience and they'll actually help you get it done. That's it's like that's 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 pretty good. So like you having to do like a bajillion generations of constantly describing something to the machine that's not conscious. It's like basically what the fear of what's gonna happen. You can basically do it with current tools. You know, that, yeah. I guess that's what I'm saying. Like if you're like, oh, there's the souls gone from music. It's like dog people. You can do it all day. No, well, I think you know, it's, the, it's happening. The computer can write now. you music right now. Yeah, you can uh, without generating it. Like you, it's just, yeah. you don't need AI to do that. And I, I, um, I, yeah, I definitely feel like, you know, with with major record companies, things like that, cost savings and cutting out <clears throat> things to go straight to profit, that it seems like that's the direction we're going to go anyways. Let's create our own star. Let's create, let's cut out all of these songwriters. Because one of the things I notice now is like, if you look at a modern pop song, there could be a hundred people on a songwriting credit, right? You look at Ariana Grande. And yeah. you get all of these credits. This person did the texture on this drum and gets a songwriting credit for this. Well, there's also, there's there's that there's truth to it because there are so many writers, that many sessions, but there's also this thing in the music industry where if you are basically in the room, you can like legally argue for a percentage of the song. 
So there is a whole culture of people who just hang around big artists and studios to get that cut. Uh, I have friends who've worked wild. with, I have friends who've worked on with very big artists, like very big. Uh, some of my producer friends, and they're just these dudes who are just like always there. It's like, what the, what's the deal? And all the guy would say is like, oh, that sounds great. Mm, you guys are killing it. Sounds good. And then later <laughs> he'd be like, dude, that guy got five percent of the fucking song. Like what? <laughs> yeah. and people or go back um, later, or, like, or, or you or you meet someone, there. they'd be like. Hey guys, is it cool if my my brother just hangs out? He's a cool dude, you know. He just plays on the keyboard. He's a great guy, and we're like, oh uh, sure, yeah. What's what? No, no big deal. And he's just in the room, and he didn't contribute anything. Every once in a while, he'll like play on the keyboard, but like nothing he did came up. And then later, it's like, yeah, he needs he needs five percent, or he needs ten percent of the song because he contributed right. to yeah. the mood of the success. It's just, and you're like, what? And so if you'd known that, you would have been like, don't get let this guy inside the room, you know. So that also happens too, where uh, a lot of these artists they'll go through these sessions with different people, and two of those sessions, you know, now if nothing happens in the session, you're not supposed to use anything, and that's usually how it goes, and that's like the industry practice. But there's some career people who would just be like, they would argue, and they're like, no, 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 no I was there, I, I said that that was cool, you know, and then they could try and do it. Or there's actually career people who do this too, where they email like a big composer or a big like art or whatever, they email you music, and it's just some crap they have. And then when the person puts out something, they bug them like, you stole my music that I sent you. You owe me money. And if they're working, this is only works for if you're on the for major labels or studios or whatever, they'll just pay you off. They'll just like this, the, you know, let's say it's Disney or something. I'm just making something up. Yeah. Just like, oh, fuck, fuck this guy, 20 grand. Get off my back. Now, no one will ever work with that guy ever again, but they got a free payout. <laughs> you know? It's, it's fucking wild. wild. Yeah. It's yeah. Wild. So, it's wild. I, that's why a lot of people like, um, you know, it's really common for people to be like, hey, would you please check out my music? A lot of artists will just be like, no, I will not. I will not open your email. I'll show there's proof I never open your email because I don't want to risk you accusing me of stealing your music later, you know? And and that's that works a lot of things, too. Like, the, 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 the synthesizer company, I was like, hey, guys, I had an idea for, like, a patch. Can I just, like, tell someone? I don't want any money. It'd be really cool if you made this. And they're like, no, I don't want to fucking hear it. I don't want to hear, like, any idea you have. Because I don't want to hear, have any bullshit come down the line later that you said that we stole your stole your idea or something. So you bring up synths, and obviously you, you you get on the keyboard, you do the digital programming. Do you have you talked about punk music being like your initial thrust into you know loving music? How did you progress into where you're at now? Well, you know, I grew, I grew up with the internet, and then in 1998, Napster came out. Yeah, so you're like, oh shit, you know. So like, I would look go on all music or go on whatever and it'd be like oh this to this this to this to this to this and so it, it was very easy to become a fucking phd in rock and roll you know uh and i, I was you know super into classic rock super into progressive rock i loved the yes you know i started, I started playing bass like i really into chris squire and rush um and stuff like that and you just you just keep going keep going and then you know the, the early 2000s hit and then you know uh you get into this, and there's this post-punk thing, and you're like, "Oh, what's post-punk?" And you're like, "Oh, the coolest music you've never heard of came out in 1981." And you're like, "What?" <laughs> and you check it out, and you're like, "Holy shit, this is the coolest music I've ever heard in my fucking life!" And then you know, stuff like that. It, it it just keeps going, and you get into different kinds of music. And there's music you want to make, and there's music that you love. But if you made it, it would just be like you would just be trying to copy it. And if you did it now, it wouldn't feel the same at all, or it'd feel too retro. So we didn't want to do that. You know, like my. My favorite music in the world, I guess if I was like a really good musician, I might have made because I would have been able to do it. But I would have just sound like a million bands that just try to sound like, you know, ex-classic band, you know? Right. 
So, um, I guess when we started with health, I was super into X models, all these New York avant bands. And that was like, that was exciting. And we were going to the smell, which had, uh, you know, this like sort of punk scene, this like scuzzy punk scene that was like really, really like low skill, like really fucked up and this like free noise avant thing. And so we were, we wanted to make a band that was like part of that and was sort of doing something how all the New York bands all could be considered the same genre, but they all sounded really different. And that's kind of how we started to start with that. And then over time, you know, it sort of changed. And uh, when it came to uh, making things more and more synthetic, it was like at the turn of the 2010s, all this music was coming out where it just got like a hundred times more powerful. Like where you're like the transients were just maxed out and you're like, whoa, what the fuck? Because even, you know, in the 90s and 2000s, the electronic music sounds awesome, but it's like, you know, the, the Chemical Brothers sounds nuts, but, but Chemical Brothers next to an amazingly produced 90s rock album, like the power level is, isn't that far. Obviously, there's more bass on one of them, but they're not right. really not that different. There's no there's no dedicated sub. They're, they really exist in the same world, and people listen to them at the same time, you know, interchangeably. But like, when you start to get to like 2010, and this was so fresh in the 2000s, the 2000s, if you're in a rock band, it's this really transitionary time where like all these things are butting up with the internet. They don't make sense. And everyone, you know, hipsters, which was our stock of trade back then, mm -hmm. hipsters are like, they all, you know, they're in New York in their apartment or wherever. They don't have a stereo. They just have their Mac laptop and a Mac laptop then has no speakers. It sounds like a box of crackers and it can't get loud. Uh, and that's who, that's how they were listening to your fucking record. So it was funny. You'd be like, you know, you'd make a, at the time, everything, you know, from like 2000 on sounded like fucking shit because it was the early days of all the digital recording and the early days of v VSTs. And it was like always this frustrating thing. You couldn't get it to sound right. And then people were going to listen to them as tiny speakers. And so the more pressure music was the cool, more electronic music in the underground sort of uh, hipster thing that we were part of that was like cutting through because it was louder. But that still sounded, it's, you know, especially when you go back to it now, it sounds really fucking jank janky. <laughs> uh, when you start getting to 2010, you start hearing all this stuff, you're like, what the fuck? This is so much louder. These transients are so much harder. There's this bass, this super clean, dedicated bass on everything. You're like, this is fucking crazy. And so we were like hearing, you know, the whole point of doing the music, we we're trying to be innovative and trying to do uh, music that's different. We we're trying to make stuff that works in a, in a similar way to other stuff, but it, but is but it's avant. And it was just like the most innovative stuff we were hearing. Is just like it might be ridiculous, it might be goofy, and it has all aged really poorly, but it was just massive. So it's like, okay, how we can find a way to integrate this into our music and still make music that's sort of true to us and what we want to express that's also serious and emotional, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that over time, you know, has has changed and the band sound has changed, and we're always sort of reacting, we're getting inspired by other music or other trends and stuff like that. That's that's really a, a very fascinating a viewpoint because i've always sort of been a hi-fi nerd so i've always had a like a stereo system to to play music on so like i guess like when the 2010s happened i guess i did notice like exactly what you're saying as far as like there seems to be like this flat shitty tone or quality to music and i know some bands that specifically mastered their shit like listening to uh like the the earbuds that came with an iPhone. Oh sure. Well, 
Because back then, that's what it was. You know, people just were, and now that was terrible. The funny thing is, you're hitting all those old guards. So you'd hit a guy, and you're like, hey, man, everyone's going to hit us on iTunes. It's like, fuck iTunes. I'm not going to master your CD terrible to this stupid format. And it's like, but no one is going to listen to the CD. You know? It was, it was just a very frustrating time where it was like, you know, there's a transition. 2000 is super transitionary. And that's what I liked about the 2010s was when that hit, I was like, hey, all of these like horrible like things, like these feelings you have where you can't get your record to sound as good as a 90s record or you can't get your record to sound as cool as some old record. Now you can do that in fucking two seconds. Now it's so fucking easy. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> and, and, or you can't have it sound as like, as just, just amazing as some older record. You know, I was always looking backward. I didn't like that. This just set sounds fucking ridiculous it sounds really different but it sounds so big it's kind of like it's making everything that sound, came before sound like a fucking box of crackers now obviously that calmed down and originally that's how it felt it felt so shocking at the time that it felt like everything before was just like a mid-rangey box of crackers not the case anymore and now stereos are so good every genre of music sounds good on them like my sono system is fucking brilliant like nothing's it really doesn't matter what i put on i can turn it up it's amazing um but for the time so for uh for, for me it's really it's really about power um this is more powerful. This is this is this is exciting. Uh, I want transients this hard, you know. Hey, sorry for interrupting. I hope that you're enjoying the episode so far, and that when you're done listening to it, that you'll tell us about it. You'll leave a comment. You'll like our page. You'll like the episode post. You'll share it. You repost it. You do all those things. Uh, all that kind of engagement uh, makes a big difference for you know what we do. We want to hear from you. And at the end of the day, it's as much about community engagement as it is about anything else. So all of those things, commenting, liking, sharing, following us, it all matters. We also have a Patreon where you can contribute as much or as little as you want. There is some exclusive content on there and we will continue to update that. But know that your contribution goes back 100% into the show. I'm not going to ramble on. Kyle and I would just like to say thank you for listening, whether it's your first time or you've caught all the episodes. Thank you. So without further ado, let's get back to the episode. Welcome to Paradise And so we're not, you know, I've never really been into synthesis that much or i'm not a fucking knob tweaker like i don't want anything we've <laughs> seriously avoided anything that sounds too traditionally like a keyboard and we don't want anything that sounds like you're twisting a knob because to me that was like fucking nerdy or just not nerdy it's just like it's very done and it's very so stuff it's this whole genre is built off it so it, it would um wouldn't stand up now funny enough coming full circle our newest record this is the first time ever we're just like fuck we're gonna put an arpeggiator like <laughs> like, like the, the people have, have spoken and this whole tour this this new song we're playing was just like just, just fuck it going da 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 like people were just like oh my god it's the best thing ever done what the fuck was that you know because of course because people love that shit so um however but you know doing it in a way that we feel is true to us I want it's got to be the fucking what I consider a you know more modern like dogged out like mega arp it can't it can't be like cool ass you know classic vintage arp it's got to be this you know garish modern like over compressed just blasted out. Yeah, you're doing you it your way. You're doing you're you're doing yeah, what you do. What you, you're pursuing your passion and what you want. Yeah, and, and we have a lot of preparatory sounds that are made with synths. But like I'm, you know, going through like a hundred fucking steps to make it different or unique. What we've kind of relaxed on in the modern era is just sort of been like we can be confident enough that what we're doing is different, or we're gonna do it in a way that like we can be more referential. We can take 
we can use this sound that we know that works. I mean, you can just do, we can just make the song with it in our own way, and it will still be you. It doesn't have to be this like hundred percent proprietary thing, because you know with a lot of those tones, they're so uh, specific. They're even they're fucking hard to write with. You know, like yeah. they're even hard to sing over. Like the the amount of like math problem shenanigans in on health records and just like conceptual bullshit of just like make trying to make songs out of these sounds is is nuts. So we we kind of we're still doing that. It's, it's it's continuing that that timeline, but we're sort of intentionally adding. That's what we do with like volume four too. We're just like, okay, we've gone through every ass backwards way to not have a distorted guitar. <laughs> Uh, but that is making us the people who appreciate this kind of music are coming like they don't understand like they're not getting like they don't see your music as part of this music like like we need to make this more clear it's like all right we're gonna put a fucking chugging in this thing in our own way it's like okay there you go and people got it immediately and that's kind of you know what we're doing now it's like all right you know what we can put an arpeggiator in the song yeah you'll be fine yeah, we'll be fine. That'll be fine. Everyone's gonna like it. We're yeah. gonna make this unique. We're not. No one's gonna be like, ah, oh, you guys. You know, like that's that that conversation is not not gonna come up. And it, it, it's interesting. The it, you know, there's this. It almost seems like you know this avoidance of clinging into recognizable things. And you're touring a perturbator in it, and you know, it, it, he has a very specific. Obviously, like he's transitioning, but he obviously has used arpeggiators and has leaned into very traditional synthesis in the past. And he obviously he's getting more like post-punk post-rock, you know, industrial kind of, uh, of sounds now, but you know, so it's an inter- interesting juxtaposition between what you're saying and, and kind of another person that well, you're... I'm kind of, I'm also talking the history. I'm, I'm adding kind of a lot of the baggage, like the, the what is guided. You know, we haven't talked about this. Not that we need to, but it's, what is guided so many artistic decisions on these health records is, is especially when I look back to my youth, is is so uh, insane or just overthought or this mm-hmm. highly conceptual shenanigans or like really, really on one. Um, so it's kind of a maturity thing, but it's also like just like also just the time or like being really or confident in the sound of like how it, it, the band can be defined just as much. At, what it does like so many things are like well we don't do that and that's what makes this interesting or yeah but we also realizing like by doing that we were just removing all of the stuff that's effective and also seriously handicapping our ability to actually write songs that might people might care about because we were like thinking of the concept too much so that is only relaxed and relaxed and we've only gotten more uh sort of open and you know referential you know us doing these two collab records the older younger me that would have been impossible we would have been like Oh, we need to change the other guy's sounds to make every sound of this, and we need to do this. And it's like would have never worked. You know, we had to like. This is what it sounds like from those. It sounds like for you. Let's make this a good song. Let's make this. This can be interesting. This can be cool. You know, like just thinking about it that way, not yeah. not this super high concept. So we are still high concept. There is a bunch of you know concept. We're still putting the same amount of thought into it. It's just that we've relaxed the dress code. That yes, we're we're going to have um, arpeggiators on, on the next record. Shit like that, basically. Yeah. So it kind of sounds like you're opening up your, the the toolkit in a way. Well, you know? basically, we've always seen the even though the records have really changed, um, I always see it as the same thing that we're always sort of adding to the vocabulary of or the aesthetic. Like it's all still the same health, and it's all still this you know dystopian future. So the early records were kind of Mad Max, crappy live instruments all fucked up, and then now it's like more militaristic, you know, uh, grim dark. You know, we have big bass and big beats and this like you know super powerful thing so we're we're still we're, we're still we're adding to it and you know there's definitely a, a big idea but it's just we're allowed you know we've lightened up on certain things and people people like it's like okay it's like dark souls right you got this uh, <laughs> okay. super restrictive super like uh really obtuse 
that pushes away, but that's what makes it so brilliant. But then the more normal video game shit they just add to it makes everyone fucking love it. So it's yeah. like you have Sekiro. It's like you're like, well, what if you could just have a grappling hook and move around all easy so you don't have to just like walk fucking plot around and people are just like, oh, yes, give it to me. And they're like, what if you just had a, a, a fucking cutscene? They're like, oh, it's really good. Or what if you just had like a fucking thing on the side of the street, on the, on the screen that told you what you needed to do? You're like, oh, God, it's so good. And same thing too. And it's like uh, Elden Ring. It's like, oh, it's like, what if it was like Dark Souls, but um, you could just uh, run around like Zelda if you're bored. You're like, oh, that sounds amazing. And so it like, was. Like, at some point, you just, it's like, you just lighten up. You just like lighten up. It's like, yeah, you know what? Give the guy a grappling hook. I'm a fucking arpeggiator. But fucking nobody relax. likes Sekiro, though. <laughs> oh, Sekiro's brilliant. God, it's amazing. It's, it's for most of the people yeah. that I know who love those games, that was the game they were like, I can't do this. Uh, that game, I'll tell you what, felt like work. Um, I think the game would be totally perfect if uh, every boss had 10% less health, just as hard, just as hard, just 10% less health, and when you died, you didn't lose souls because it does nothing for that game. The way the levels are designed... The stupid grinding you have to do to get little items, the whole souls losing thing has nothing to do with Sekiro. So it would be actually be great if you going to the boss every time just kept upping the meter so you could eventually level up. So it doesn't penalize you for going 80 times the boss, which you end up doing. Uh, there's bosses of Sekiro that literally, like, I had to take the day off and be like, I have to beat this guy today. And it would be like, no, we're six and a half. And then I'm like, oh my God, I finally beat him. I've wasted my life. You did, know? You, <laughs> did you finish the so, game? I did. I beat it. Oh, and, and everyone's like, oh, I wish there was DLC. I'm like, no, no fucking no. DLC. I don't want to fucking <laughs> done. And I, I tried. I did this thing, though, where it's like I missed a few bosses because like, I was like reading online because like, I don't like the strategy guy at these games. So I had to secure it. was too hard. I had to like, look up how to beat shit. Um, I was like, all right, I'm going to platinum this thing. And then I was doing the second ending and the, like, the other boss. And I got the guy to like one HP and he killed me. And I couldn't get back. And I'm like, I can't do this. I'm fucking wasting my life. Like, I'm, I'm done. Don't no, secure. I'm going to wait till the next Souls game comes out. <laughs> Respect that you finished the game. Um, yes, uh, there are there are moments during. I think Sekiro is actually one of the best ones they ever made. And the combat, nothing they've never had combat like that. But there, there, there are moments where I'm like, this is fucking work, man. What am I doing? So Melania and, ain't shit compared to Sekiro. Uh, uh, I actually, someone told me Melania is harder than anything. I guys, I have not beaten Elden Ring yet. I have been very busy this year, and I've been taking massive breaks. And my plans, and I've been playing Elden Ring almost exclusively on tour with no internet connection on my Steam Deck. Uh, this last tour, with the tour bus and everything, it was so busy, I played Elden Ring once. We had one day off where I played in a hotel all day. And that's it. I think I'm really close to the end, though. What was the last thing you did? Uh, I'm in the uh, land of the giants. Um, I just killed the, um, the, what are the, the fire serpent people's king. But that's unrelated. But okay, okay. I'm in the giant... Giant snow zone. So someone's getting pretty close to the end. You are close to the end. Yes, you are. I won't ruin anything. I don't look at me like that. Eric's looking at me like, yeah, same. I more. think it, I, 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 I think it's supposed to be Melania, but um, someone just told me they're like, hey man, uh, one of the second to last bosses is the hardest thing. I'm like, harder than security is like way harder. I'm like, what? <laughs> I can't take that. So I completely. I know there, oh. there, there are god gamers out there who's like, "That's fucking easy, man." It's like I'm not that guy. I'm not great at video games, but I love the Souls games because they, they they give meaning to everything. Yeah, you're That's masochistic. Like, yeah. You like to work for it. No, I don't like to work for it. I actually don't. <laughs> I hate to work. I'm a lazy person. I don't like working on music. All this shit is fucking hell to me. It's dead. It makes it matter. You know, if you play like fucking Skyrim or whatever, it's like nothing you do fucking matters. It just doesn't matter. They just give you more shit. 
leveling up in those games is so awesome because you just you get an edge against this unfair world and eventually you're gonna fucking win oh it's it's, it's so completely something. unfair the, that's the, exactly the, sword, the thing this yeah you're gonna upgrade your sword and it's gonna be awesome that you upgrade it because you need it whereas what kind of you know, build? other games there's just like just bullshit yeah what kind of build are you at so i was i i had not really put i try to not do strategy guides Sekiro, I had to, so I was just like having fun, uh, and it started going this way. Where basically, I'm, I have a, uh, it's, I guess it's a bleed build, but I'm not like, um, I have magic and shit too, but I pretty much only just using the, the sword. So I switched between the bloodhound, bloodhound gang, and the, um, I just got, took a regular guy's sword from the beginning of the game and tricked it out to be a, like a twenty-one uh, bloody slash. And that's my favorite. Okay, because I did like a an intelligence dexterity build. That that was me. In Elden Ring. And also, it, there's just so much crap in those games to read in that like shitty interface. I'm just like, man, I'm not going to figure this out. I'm just like, just give me. <laughs> yeah. like, I love, because what I loved about Elden Ring, I'm like, oh, this is so great. This is just Dark Souls. It's all Dark Souls. Same moveset. I love the great sword moveset. So that's what I got. I've never played any of those games. So y'all are talking shit to me. Like, I, I have no, I've never played Dark Souls. I've never played Elden Ring. If it really you, you've never played any Souls game, no. Maybe. It, well, do, do you not do you not play video games? Oh, I play lots of video games, but that shit well, is, then, but okay, not the good ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, no, yeah. It, it is a thing though. It's like it does make ninety percent of video games seem fucking stupid. Like, like what are you doing? I don't know. They're they're so one of the one of the greatest. You know, video, video games are a horrible waste of time. You know they're bad for your life, net net negative possibly. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. No, I'm not sure if that's true. I love video games. Uh, they're very enriching, especially like the great RPGs. But man, the Souls games are just—they're fucking just magic. They're just—they're—they're they're so special. I, you know, for me, like the this, like I didn't get—I couldn't get through like the Witcher series because it was too complex. But it's so Witcher easy. to me, I didn't get through them either. Every, every I started every single one of them didn't finish because I got really bored. It wasn't fun to play. Yeah, the combat is not very fun. It's just like it just kept going. I hit like there's some part of three that was fun, but I just, I'm like I'm not gonna finish this. Yeah, which is very rare for me. I like to finish games. But like I could play Dying Light, which is a very complex, hard control system. Um, yeah. I don't know. Some things hit me and some things don't. And Dark Souls, like it just seemed too punishing and too like. Like on purpose, I'm gonna make this as hard as for you as possible. It it is it's it's not it wants you to win and you're gonna win because here's the thing I am terrible at video games and like uh, they're my favorite games Souls games and I've beaten all of them like you you do win eventually they build all the stuff into there that you're gonna win the only one that's just like not like that is is Sekiro where you just have to be like all right man you're gonna have to figure this out or like or you need to go on a strategy guide and just like learn <laughs> this gimmick to beat them and it's gonna be really hard. You need to dedicate the time. Yeah, that's the big thing. So, but the, the the Elden Ring though has kind of solved the problem. Well, not the problem, but it had the, the uh, accessibility problem. I think. I have you, never. You, sorry, I cut. I, I cut you off. Sorry. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, I've I've never had a game that I felt more satisfied playing than Elden Ring. Or when I was playing it, I was like, okay, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for the end. I didn't have any regrets like, oh, you know, I could have done this before I finished. I could have done that. I'm not ready. Am I going into it okay? At every point of the game, I was just like, I feel like I'm ready for the next thing. I'm ready for this to progress. And I don't feel like I'm missing anything. It took me 182 hours to finish the game. So I'm at like 110 right now. 
I I have never felt more satisfied in a playthrough of a game. I don't think ever than I did in that game. Wow. Uh, Elden Ring is is really special. Uh, did you play the previous Souls before it? Uh, Bloodborne, I played through. Oh. Um, Sekiro, I avoided because, like, a couple of my friends who were huge Souls fans were just like, "Fuck that game! I just can't do it." And I've watched my friends play some of the Souls games. I haven't, and you know, to my discredit, <laughs> haven't done the Souls games yet. But I'm about to fix that. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's gonna be. I, I wonder what you're gonna think going backwards. Uh, but but you know, Elden Ring is Souls. It, it's like it's like Dark Souls four, yeah, basically. And yeah. I have been told like you're gonna enjoy everything you do except for Dark Souls two. Well, the funny thing though is Elden Ring is Dark Souls two. Dark Souls 2 is the worst one, the one that I hate. Uh, that not hate, but like my least favorite by far. It just doesn't have you know, as much magic. But it's funny, like that's actually what Elden Ring is. Like it's it's a template for Elden Ring. They just didn't have the budget or the like the power to do it like that. Because uh, Dark Souls 2 is like there's just endless areas and there's like endless bosses and some are crazy easier and some are crazy hard and they're just everywhere. And you can summon all the time. Like it, it, the the dark the Elden Ring idea is Dark Souls 2. And then they did it for real with Elden Ring, which is like kind of really funny. I didn't realize that until recently, where I'm like, oh my god. But two, the only reason why two is like not that great is because it just it doesn't have the same director who's done all the others. It just it's just nowhere near as cool and as beautiful. But when it came out, it was cool, and I beat it. And then just I've had no desire to come back. I don't really have any great fond memories. There's just a few cool like levels here and there. But you know, one Demon Souls is just magical. Dark Souls, the remake of Demon Souls, is just even more magical than Dark Souls 3 is really good, but there's too many to play. I would just say skip it, even though it's also really good. It's really great. If you love Dark Souls 1, play Dark Souls 3. Bloodborne, best story. God, they're brilliant. Sekiro is fucking actually the most uh, accomplishment you feel. Though, sometimes the boss, it's so hard to beat them. When it's over, you're not even happy. You're just pissed. You're still <laughs> It was relieved. Just like know? the hours. Oh, I mean, going back to Melania, it took me two and a half hours to beat Melania. Well, there's what? bosses of Sekiro that took me six and a half hours. Yeah, so so hearing that, that's I think even... one took me eight hours. I think one took me eight hours. Of fun. Jesus not Christ. Christ. So hearing that's that. That's not good. That's, that's, a, that's a job. <laughs> like, I should have gone and volunteered. You worked a shift. Know? Yeah. And you didn't get paid for it. Nope. That's, that's incredible. I, I, pay, I, I paid to do it. And yeah, it's like, am I am I really having fun doing this, or am I just doing this to prove that I can do it because I keep getting my ass kicked? Yeah, I mean that's that's the but you know every every Souls game with exception of Sekiro, he has an easy mode. You can always summon someone in to help you beat it. You know. But fuck that! <laughs> you can't do that. You got you got to do it. Yeah, I don't know. The what I like about Elden Ring, it's because it's just so open. It's like made to like it's really fun to like have my friend who I know he'd never played a soul game before come in and we like clear an area together, you know, it's pretty that, rad. That is the thing. I, I did have to, I had to have help for one boss in Elden Ring. And I had one of wow. my friends do it. It wasn't millennia. Okay. I did that on my own because I was like, I'm going to fucking do this, but it was something else. And that was good. I really, I really did need it at that point too. So I feel like maybe if you could play the whole game constantly like that, that would also be a good experience too. 
Well, they I didn't want my buddy wanted to do it, but I like I haven't beaten the game, so I don't want to do it. But they have a mod where you can just play the entire game with two people. Unbroken. You can both ride horses too. Tight. And that would and that's like obviously that'd be very fun. Um I think what I want Souls to do next is to go small again. They should just do like a Sekiro two or something. And then don't do an Elden Ring two for like five years or something. But everyone yeah. wants Bloodborne too. Oh, Bloodborne 2. Sorry, let's do Bloodborne 2. That'd be great. Bloodborne have... 2 and just add like add like mild open world elements. Just mild. Keep it small. Don't keep it focused. Or, you know, here's the thing what I've noticed. I think Dark Souls are so smart. They actually do have a unique concept pretty much behind each one for the most part, even if they're very similar. And I think that's what they would do for Bloodborne 2. They would, there would be yet another twist. You know, or slight tweak. Yeah, that's what they've been doing at all. You know, they, they keep Certain elements of each ones of all the the same things, the genre of souls or whatever, and they have like some you know idea behind it. I do have to it's say just, the whole it's, like it's, it's, it's art. Yeah, it's the whole it's, it's, speaking of art. Yeah, the whole vibe of Bloodborne is really it's the coolest thing ever. It's yeah. like uh you know it's this very cool. What I what I love about those guys and uh, and I guess you know they got it from Berserk for Dark Souls is this very Japanese look at a Western fantasy. Oh yeah, that's very that's very cool. Like really cool. It, it, it's like I, it was like mind blowing to me, uh, or just just how cool it is. And like Bloodborne, it's like you know they took the costumes from that kind of crappy French movie, uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf. I saw that in theaters. Oh, oh yeah. man, I uh, saw that when yeah. it came oh, out shit, too. Me too. Yeah, and uh, it looks awesome. And then they just took that and like also in that in that movie he has like a, a trick weapon that changes. Yeah, they took that from the movie too. They made it all awesome. And then it just goes HP Lovecraft halfway. And you're like, what the fuck is this? It's so cool. Dude, Brotherhood of the Wolf was t- I tight. I would say that was that movie was pretty cool. What I well, saw it, in the it, theater. All, all this shit in it is awesome. What I didn't like about it, and this is what I found about movies at the time, is they're doing all this uh, filmmaking stuff that just t- robs the, the excitement. It's just like it's just constantly freeze framing, slowing oh, yeah. down. And the, the action is not actually exciting. And the wolf is this big CG thing and looks terrible. Whereas, like, like just the other day, like, put on Terminator 2. It is the craziest thing in the fucking world today. Because it's like, I, they had to throw a stuntman out of a semi and he just falls on his ass. Like, it's just, you can't beat that. It's fucking nuts. <laughs> That's very true. Or throw a guy out of a helicopter. Yeah, it is so fucking crazy. Or figure out how to make a mannequin who gets stabbed through a milk carton through the mouth look real. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, like, it's just, it's just so great. Because it's, you know, you can do so much with the animation, like, but there's no weight to it. It's why when you, people still love a fail video, a video of some guy getting knocked on his ass on the beach by a wave is just so visceral because it's a guy getting knocked on his ass on the beach. Right. You know, and it's, you, you have millions of dollars to make the movie. You can pay a guy to jump out of a building. Like, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> like, it's really exciting. <laughs> it is. That's an extremely I want to hear that point. conversation. Like, can we pay you to fall out of a building? That's what it is, you know. Jackass. Why is Jackass so hugely beloved? It's like, uh, for money, I'm going to hit myself in the balls. Right. All right. It's like it's fucking nuts. Ouch, if we my CG balls. animate the Hulk getting kicked in the ball, it's just not. It just not. It's exciting. Because he didn't get kicked in the balls. Right. I don't believe the Hulk has balls at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, CG Hulk, but maybe, maybe yeah. not. Lou yeah, Ferrigno you know, probably does. Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> great i'm really curious when i'm, I'm looking this up when uh, brotherhood of the wolf come came out because i'm wondering if it was affected by the matrix 
It was, it was. Because I remember after The Matrix came out, every movie, they had to do something. And then, like, the opening scene, the the very buxom uh, poor French girl, it gets killed by the wolf, and it's just freeze-framing on her. Like, every, it's like they just totally freeze. And you're like, what is going, what? Why are we freezing? And then the scene would keep going, and they would just freeze. Yeah, no. yeah. You're at, 2001 is when it came out, so it was absolutely yeah. The Matrix it's effect. Very true, yes, the, the villain of the movie did have the trick weapon. Yeah, yeah the trick weapon, and also, and look at the cover they're fucking bloodborne dude yeah the outfits i mean and i the, fucking they love, the, they the I love it's... the hunters the hunters garb basically is it's red i actually do think i i'm a, I, the only thing i the only gripe i have i'm like i think the weapons are too big <laughs> like and you're a berserk like, fan <laughs> Wait, what? Well, hold on yeah I, I think they're too big i think they're too big in berserk too but at least at least it's um uh at least but it's a comic you know Right. I think they're too big there, too. There's a little bit too big. Well, a little bit. I think the sword in real life is like seven feet long. The, the dragon yeah. slayers. There are, there, are, there are swords that big. How, but they how? are just like slabs of iron. Yeah. Got, don't you. The... I thought you were going to go into whole, that whole I, spiel. No, 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 no. It's interesting. Uh, we keep skirting around Berserk, but we have not actually spent any time on Berserk. Oh, okay, okay. Maybe that's a good oh, fuck. How long are we talking? Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, um, maybe, maybe we could have a part. Oh two. no, here, no, here, look, here. You wanna? We could, we could wrap it up. That you guys, you guys are the pros. You guys, uh, then you can get us to a meaningful ending. So, oh, um, well, I, fuck. Uh, Berserk is almost a meaningful opening. I mean, it's it's a that's whole a whole other, thing on its own. Well, you could thing. you could do you could do a Tarantino thing with this uh, podcast. You could cut it into like three parts and then move them around uh, depending <laughs> on what you like the best. And do it like Memento and just completely scramble everything up. Yeah. Well, there was like uh, that album. I think it was A.V. Tear. He they saw Inland Empire and they decided to release their album just totally in reverse. They just like press the reverse button. It's like <laughs> it's so fucking funny to me. <laughs> That's amazing. But yeah, so what's what is what is your berserk? Um... Well, I, it, I I'm just really curious. Um, you know, this is more of a a recent introduction to you, and and you haven't gotten through it. I think when we talked last. You said you haven't, you're not current with the latest step. No, I am, I would say I'm what, like nine issues in or something. And apparently there's a shitload and they don't finish. Didn't yeah. he die recently? Yeah, he died a couple yeah. of years ago. I, it was like a year I, ago. A year ago? Yeah, yeah year ago. I thought it was pretty recently. I think, I think it, um, it really happens to fantasy authors. You gotta like leave an outline like in a, like a easy to find place when you die to finish your time. So apparently that there is the, the series is continuing after uh, Kentaro and he like apparently gave the whole outline of how it was going to end. Cause he was getting close to the end. We are, the current issues are nearing the end of the whole series. And he had outlined it to a close friend and his, he had created a studio. What if this is all bullshit? What if this, "Quote unquote friend was like he told me how was how it was going. Do you to think end. the it, Japanese folk and that kind of thing would would perpetuate that kind of bullshit? Probably, probably not. But I will tell you, I do know of personal anecdotes of people who have died and people have done stuff with their art after their death that was extremely uncool. That's and However, that's that's. I if anyone I'm going to leave is Japan. I, I bet I believe it. Yeah. I, so maybe." Maybe not. 
maybe I'm going to take it with a grain of salt because this the the studio that he founded with the because apparently like the last however many chapters from however many years have been in house with his studio with his artists that he's been trying to bring up into the world and they are going to finish the artwork and with the story outlines that but have been yeah left. friend who is going to finish the story with outlines. With the cliff notes. Yeah. I mean, we saw how that went with Game of Thrones. Well, that's yeah, different. Lot, He's that, not dead yet, and he didn't tell friends, and they didn't do the well, yeah, shit they, with yeah. HBO. They sort of ignored. Yeah. I think at, at HBO, I think there was a really a thing where not only were those guys like, it felt like a D&D &D when you just have to wrap it up because someone's moving away, you know? And, uh, or they also just, they just wanted to get it done. So what they it could felt get like something else going. They were done. Yeah. And it was just like, whoa. But it's also this thing, though, like, you know, this, I don't know, like talk shit or anything, but I was a huge fan of the books. That, this, the series on TV for like years, if you've been reading the books, had just been making very bizarre decision after very bizarre decision that had nothing to do with budget and it was not about narrative ease. That was just baffling. Yeah, I where completely like, agree. Completely. Where you're agree. just like, what the fuck are these guys thinking? Like, we're like, did they like skim? Did they forget? And they like, we're like, do they not give a shit? Like, what the fuck? Like, why? Because there's stuff that there's stuff they change in the early seasons where I'm like, you know what? That is way easier to portray on screen. That is way more uh, less conflicted for the audience to get visually. I would do the same thing. It is so much easier to communicate. That's a great idea. Fuck it. Make it even though it's more complex than the book. That's all simpler. And the, and then they just kept being like, why? Why are you doing that? Wait, what? What the fuck? And I don't know. By the end, you know, because like if that's what happens at the end of Game of Thrones, I bet it's fucking brilliant. That's awesome. It's just like you. The scenes don't even narratively like make sense like leading up to it. Yeah, uh, and George R. R. Martin said my ending is not like the ending of the series. They stopped listening to me. They stopped taking my calls after like season six or something like. He that. doesn't have an ending. He's not gonna finish this shit. He's gonna die, and it's not. Gonna yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know true. if he's gonna finish. It. That's the curse of the fantasy author. Hey, thank God, uh, Jared Tolkien finished his shit. But yeah, I mean, the last Game of Thrones book came out twenty eleven. Now, I get it. He kind of wrote himself into crazy shit ever. Like, how are you going to finish all this? But he's got that understudy kid who's like got all his notes. Like, it can be done. I just really hope he does it. He doesn't. And then he's like producing other show. Like, he also just, you know, I get it. He was this fucking sci-fi author for like his whole life. And now he's a fucking famous celebrity. And like he can like show up to cons and like parties. It's just like fucking nuts. Like I get it. Like he had, he had yeah. a, a blast. And now it's just over and it ended all bad. And everyone's bad his mouth. And everyone's like, all right, so where are the books? And he's just like, Ugh. he's also an awesome dude, man. He fucking funded that Meow Wolf shit. You ever been to Meow Wolf? No. If you go to New Mexico where he lives, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Oh yeah. There's a very tiny, uh, cool art scene there. Very tiny because most people just leave. There's very few young people there. And uh, the art kids there went to him, and they're like, hey, George R. R. Martin, we know you have a lot of money right now. Uh, we want to buy this old bowling alley and oh, turn yeah. it into this wacky as fuck interactive museum. And he's just like, how much you need? They're like, a million dollars? He's like, here you go. Fuck it. <laughs> so they, they did it. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. And it's, it's so fucking popular. People are like going on their way to go there. You can have shows in there. I've played there twice. And then they just opened one in Vegas. They opened one in Colorado. Like, it, it, they're fucking awesome. I got to see the one it's in Vegas. It's way higher budget, apparently. So like that is really cool of of RR. 
Yeah. And I don't know what he did on Elden Ring. I feel like they just like hung out one night and like, <laughs> like right, they like, smoked or some shit. They, yeah, they like drank beer and like did a did an eight ball and just like talk shit. And he just wrote down <laughs> and he just boned out. Like that's a scene. Like he's like, all right, this is fucking. Uh, Oh, it's fucking a big tree. It's an earth tree. And there's a thing. It's like, huh? Oh, okay. Because like, it just feels just like all the other Elden Ring things. Really? Yeah. I'm I, sorry. Oh, Dark Souls things. It's just like, it's really not, I don't notice any sort of George R. Martin, like totally different, you know. And for what I'm in- getting of the, of the game, there's not really any deep lore. Like there's a lot that you have to imagine. Oh, it, it's, it's deep lore. And then there isn't deep lore because th- the story is told through item descriptions, basically. Oh, okay. So it's it's left to you to interpret it. So perhaps there is a lot going on. Well, what I like about Souls is that, you know, you are the main character and you have just as little of idea what's going on as they do. And just these weird people just talking to your ass and you're just reading some bullshit and you're just killing people. Yeah. So, and <laughs> and everything, like, everything just blows down to you going there and just killing the dude anyway. It's really funny. Yeah. So, yeah, your goal is to go through and kill people. But cool. that goes back to what I was talking about earlier about how I was, I'm watching all these like lore videos because if people can interpret things any fucking way they want and they can come up with all this stuff and just ridiculous theories. And love it. This, and and, that's, and that's, it. this is better. Like this is why I envy like, you know, people who who make like let's say you made some fantasy series. It would be so great to go to the message board and just read people's things because I swear to God, people are coming up with the most brilliant shit that you didn't think of and you could just like cherry pick it. Oh yeah, you know? like like a Mass Effect, the you know, shitty ass ending. This guy just wrote one on Reddit. I was reading it. it fucking made me cry. I was like, that was fucking brilliant. <laughs> I would have I I just stolen it. I just been like, yeah, or just called him secretly, be like, here, you want some money? Yep. But like, there's just shit like that all day. Like, you know, like or like you know, because there's all you know, there's all these weird talented people who like not on the internet. You to hear them, and there's some guy on like YouTube. He's like, oh, this is how I would have done a uh, Last of Us two. And I listen to the story. I'm like, man, that was that was amazing, dude. Made me to cry. Yeah, I, I do love the that the the fan fiction or fan interpretation because it could be it is it could be way more in depth and way more. Uh, well, that's why it's better if like someone doesn't explain song lyrics to you, you know, because that could be a personal song to you. Like I think I remember like, you know, Metallica's "Fade to Black." Like he wrote that after their gear got stolen. You know, he was very sad. But uh, I you know, told it to my friend, and, my, and my, my friend is like, "Dude, he's like, that's my favorite song of all time. I don't want to think that's about a fucking amp." And I was like, "Yeah, you're right. Should have never told you. Sorry. You don't need to know. Like, fuck. You don't. It's better to not know because it, it, it's you know it's very personal. You, it's, Indeed. You, you don't need to know it's better than amp. It's way cooler. It's a song that's you know, it's very sad. Yeah, I think that's a great that's a great place to end it. I, I think I think we've taken a, a lot of your time, and we've had great conversation. Until next time, this is Eric. This is Kyle. Thanks, John, for joining us. Hey, guys, it, it, it was really great talking to you. Fucking parents, I suck.